0: It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans.
1: After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
0: What's up, everybody? This is Brett Hall, owner of Unspoken Clothing Company. Give us a follow at unspoken0803 and check out all the goodies at unspoken 0803.com. And you are listening to the segment podcast. Hey, senders, welcome back to another episode of the segment podcast. This is episode 97, and you'll be listening to a special guest, the lovely Brie Azeltine. I hope you really enjoy the conversation that we had, the live chat with an audience. Brie Azeltine is a phenomenon in the mountain biking world. She came into the sport solo, went to summit by herself, fell in love with the sport, and went into the racing scene. She's dominated the Cat 3s. She's dominated Cat Two. She's in the mix in Cat 1, dominating and knocking on the doors of the pros, and she's on the national circuit as well as the local races here. Hope you really enjoy this show. Uh, Brie doesn't share a lot about her personal life in her Instagram, but she definitely divulges a lot of her personal life and how she's making Brie the best version of Brie. Here on the show. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Before we get into it, I do want to say thank you so much to the supporters of the segment podcast. First off, thank you to YT Industries. YT, live uncaged. And I am loving the brand new bike that I got from YT. It's the Core 4 in the Knox Blue. Never had a blue bike before, but the thing looks so nice. And riding it, it feels really playful and Believe it or not, I feel like it climbs just as good as my YT Jeffsy. I know, I know it's a big bike, but it climbs really well. Also, a big thank you going out to Dianese. In 2015, the Italian company Dianese bought POC. And so if you see me out on the trails, you will see me in their latest type of protective gear. They have the Linnea 01, which is one of the lightest full face helmets on the market. It also has the twice me technology built into it. So if I'm unconscious or out in the middle of nowhere, I can use my smartphone to ping my location, which makes me and my friends feel really comfortable and safe. Also, big thanks going out to Tasco MTB, my favorite gloves, my favorite (laughs) shorts and pants the scout shorts i'm telling you guys if you haven't had a chance to get yourself a pair of scout shorts i do have promo codes down below that will help you save a buck or two from any of these companies including tasco tasco's been my favorite they've been one of the first supporters of the segment podcast and i truly appreciate nate and the whole company there at tasco and all of the gear that they keep pumping out they keep me dialed and i just feel like i could wear those clothes on and off the trail also, big thanks going out to Spy Optic, covering my eyes with prescription glasses in my work life, as well as lifestyle glasses off the bike and goggles and riding glasses while I'm on the bike. Spy Optic has it all, including their latest technology, the Happy Boost technology, which basically boosts your mood. And blocks out the bad blue wave light it's been clinically proven to make a difference and it's in their goggles in their lifestyle glasses as well so check them out at spyoptic.com save 20% when you use promo code the segment 20 and finally big big thanks going out to John B and the boys there at SSB Sansport brothers the familia uh, excellent products They have the ultimate spray and wash, the tire sealant, and now the chain lube and cleaner. So check it out if you haven't had a chance and get 10% off of your purchase at SSB by clicking the link in the show notes below. Without further ado, let's get into the episode with Miss Brie Azeltine. This is Messiah and Hill, and this is the Scooter Backflip. Oh, yeah! we Wait, Dad, do we have a podcast tonight? Oh, yes. See, I'm gonna be late. Here, you're gonna need this. Thank you. Hurry up. Oh, what's up senders hey we are back with another episode and this one i cannot wait for you to uh, meet this guest tonight her name is brie and she has been killing the cat three cat twos and uh, knocking on the doors of the pros so uh, i can't wait to share her story tonight she is an incredible human being who's been writing just for a short period of time but the passion and the day- dedication she has to the sport is incredible so i hope you guys ask questions uh, engage and get to know who brie is but before we get into it i just want to say um thank you to all of you and hey this saturday if you're not doing anything and you want to come out and do something super fun yt mill is having the e-bike group ride they're actually letting me guide the beginners out so we are taking a loop around a uh, dog park and uh that starts at 10 o'clock Probably pedaling out at ten thirty, back to the mill, and uh, snacks and drinks will be provided. So hope you can join us on Saturday. This Saturday, there's also going to be an intermediate group that's going to be led by Tony De Silva, the Outsider, and then a advanced group who uh, I don't know who the pro is that's going to be leading that. So um, stay tuned to that. But I hope you guys can all show up and uh as always whole shot award is going out tonight drum roll please whole shot is going out to trail pimp trail pimp congratulations you are on at 402 p.m sir my gosh you've been waiting for a whole while welcome to the show not by A. I see you out of miami what's up johnny you and lauren uh just got off the peloton he says let's roll he's been on for an hour my goodness MTB Raging, and also I saw Steph Batista in here kicking out all of his students so that he can join the podcast. I see Lauren in here. What's up, Lauren? MTB Nick says, what's good, people? And uh, we got Chicken Sendies uh, out of, I think Chicken Sendies, you're out of Chicago, I believe. He's saying, yo, I love it. Great to see everybody. Oh, Burrell Bikes. I did see a Burrell Bike out on the trails. I think it was in the Palm Canyon epic area. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure I saw one of your bikes out there, brother, which is super, super cool. All right, folks, without further ado, let's get our guest on. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to Bree Azlatine. Yo, Brie.
1: Hello. Hey, Mark.
0: <laughs> hello. Hello. Welcome to the second podcast. Thank you so much for jumping on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I, I appreciate it. I'm a fan. I've been watching your Instagram, watching your dedication. I I was at Sky Park the day that you threw a suey over the session jump and took podium for best trick award. Um, I know you are also on the Spokex bike team there for a while for racing. Um, so we were both on that one. And uh, I've just been following you and I'm a big fan. So thank you for being <laughs> here.
1: Yeah, no, this is exciting. <laughs>
0: So, Brie, for the folks who don't know you, um, talk to them a little bit about who is Brie and how long have you been writing?
1: Awesome. Um, so, hello, everybody. Um, I am really excited to be here. So, I'm Bree. I am originally from upstate New York but moved to California nearly 10 years ago. Um, so, I've been mostly in L.A. Um, but moved up to Big Bear Lake. Um, It's been uh, about a year and a month to the day, which is exciting. Um, But yeah, I, um, you know, I never really got into bikes until pretty recently. And I always focused on work and my career. And that's kind of what brought me to California. Um, So, um, yeah, that's how I, that's how I ended up here.
0: Yeah. So you're from New York and then you came out to California. Were you a mountain biker back then in New York or did you come out to California? And you were just living the SoCal dream or how did that work out?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, so I, I graduated high school when I was 17 and I went to school for sound engineering and uh, like right outside of Rochester. Okay. And um, ended up doing that for like a year and taking the college year off and nice. never went back. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I um, was just a workaholic because that was what was ingrained in me since the beginning of time. And um, I grew up in a really, really small town um, of like, I don't know, it's like 2,500 people or something in the middle of the woods.
0: That is small.
1: 2,500? Yeah, it was tiny. (laughs) Log cabin in the woods, no cell phone service. We had like dial-up internet. That actually sounds
0: pretty nice. Yeah,
1: it's very nice going back (laughs) home. But um, yeah, so I've always kind of been athletic and into sports, um, but I didn't have a like one thing that was something that I was really passionate about. It was just like my parents worked. So it was like after school, you know, they could only pick us up at a certain certain time in the evening. So um, when I moved to California, I. Um, you know, was pretty like impressive the amount of folks that really like paid attention to their health and fitness. So that's kind of what jumpstarted me from like an education standpoint of like how to take care of yourself and eat well. And then, um, in 2017, I like accidentally tripped into this really cool sport called canyoneering and, um, started doing that for a while. Um,
0: I've seen Which, pictures on your Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pull it out for the people that are live right here. There is canyoneering. And I actually had to ask Brie because I had never heard of canyoneering until she brought it up. Here's a, here's one of the shots of you canyoneering. So what is canyoneering?
1: So canyoneering um, is kind of a lot of things all at once. Um, and I like to describe it as kind of like the opposite of climbing, so we typically like hike up the mountains or hike, hike up the waterfall, um, and then rig rig your rope whether you it's already bolted or you're trying to ghost the the area and leave no trace. Um, so you're building like retrievable anchors and stuff, and just rappelling down, you know, big waterfalls or big walls. Um, but every canyon's different when um, you're traveling traveling around. Like if you go to Utah, you get a lot of the slot canyons, and so in Southern California. Unfortunately, they're a little smaller, so we call them ditches. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's so much fun because there's a lot of like hiking. There's a lot of problem solving and route finding. And um, sometimes your anchor isn't there and the beta isn't accurate. So you kind of have to figure it out as you go. So, um, yeah, that this particular can- canyon is um, in in the San Diego area and it's never never flowing but it just so happened to be one of those years where we got a ton of rain and this one had a really really large um like free hang so once you get past a certain point you're just free hanging as you make your way down and i think it's 150 150 feet free hang maybe oh
0: whoa, whoa
1: with the whoa. water pumping next to you so
0: wow
1: it's a little spooky but yeah. a lot of fun
0: <laughs> yeah my goodness so you are Definitely adventurous, and I remember when you said you did canyoneering, you kind of fell into it, you you just kind of went. You were one of the only women that kind of went with this crew?
1: Yeah, so it was really funny. Um, It was Memorial Day weekend, and um, a couple of my girlfriends were like, Hey, do you want to go canyoneering? I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I'm down. So (laughs) after, it was like a Thursday or a Friday after work, we... Um, literally just like packed up and drove to Utah. And um, this is actually pretty funny be- and, and kind of a special story because it was like foreshadowing into my mountain biking life. But uh, when we made it to Utah, it was three o'clock in the morning. Good grief. And um, we... Ended up meeting a couple guys who were going to kind of show us the ropes, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> and it was so funny because one of my girlfriends like goes up to one of the guys and it's like, "Oh, I'm so glad to finally meet you." And I was like, "Wait a minute, yeah, it's 3 a.m. in the middle of nowhere, and we have no <laughs> cell phone service, and we don't know who these people are." But um, you tricked me. <laughs> it was really funny um, because if we fast forward, you know. I don't know, three-ish years. Um, that camping site was the same exact camping site as Old Site in Virgin, where I go ride bikes and oh, um, wow. where we stay for a Red Bull Rampage. So oh, um, wow. it was really, really special. The first time I had gone there and I was like, oh my goodness, like this was the first time I went canyoneering because we would go canyoneering in Zion. So um, yeah, it was... It, It's a very special moment for me now because um, I like I said, it was that foreshadowing moment into, you know, my future life, which was cool. So,
0: yeah, that so you you accidentally fall upon this and it turns out that some of the areas that you were canyoneering are some of the areas now that you still go back to for for mountain biking. So you're you're canyoneering, you're you're digging this adventure. How did you go from rappelling down waterfalls with a 150 foot overhang to sending a big suey jump over the session jump at Sky Sky Park and and snow summits, uh, all all this stuff? Like, how did you get into the mountain biking scene then?
1: I got to say, it it may be a a typical girl story. But um, so when I was on one of these canyoneering adventures, um, I did meet somebody. And, uh, we started dating for a while and, um, he was into mountain biking. And at the time I was like, really not into it. I was like, uh, I don't know if you, if you've heard of Katie Burrell, but it was very much like her videos on Instagram, um, that she, she kind of <laughs> posts pretty frequently, but I didn't like it. I was scared all the time. I was <laughs> nervous. He was always so much faster than me and I could never keep up. So I was like, I am this is it for me. Um but eventually he convinced me to buy a frame and uh so my first bike was a 2018 Santa Cruz Bronson that I got in 2019 so it was one of like the older frames and um and I had that bike and I didn't really ride it that much. I think we we did a couple trips but I mean I was like walking stuff at Lake Hodges. Like I was terrified. Wow. So um, I eventually, crazy.
0: that seems crazy from the pictures that we see today. So I know,
1: I know. And, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, we, we ended up splitting ties and I had this beautiful bike just sitting there that I put a lot of money into. And I'm like, you know, I, I gotta ride this thing. Um, so I think that, um, yeah, I went to a snow summit bike park by myself and, um, you know, I I got my bike and I'm like geared up and going up the lift. And I run into some random person that we take the lift together. And, um, I was trying to be all cool. Like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to start out in the greens to warm up, you know, but I was terrified to go on the green. Um, but after that, I made great friends with these folks and, um, they really pushed me to, they made mountain biking fun for me, you know, and it was, it was that year. So I, so that was, I think I did that in like 2020. I think it was right around my 30th birthday. Wow. And, um,
0: that was like right when COVID was starting to pop out.
1: Yeah, it was like deep COVID and, um, I entered in my first race. I think that was in like June, July. And then I entered my first beginner race in August and I raced downhill at so snow summit on Miracle Mile.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Got third place out a three women Dang. really brought up the rear, <laughs> but it was just that feeling that I got that really was like, Oh man, this is really cool. Like I want to keep doing this. And um, it was that one thing that I really was just like immediately passionate about. And I, and I'm so thankful for my those random people that I met that day who are still my friends, you know, Right now, and um, I'm really thankful for that.
0: Brie, that's cool. I mean, how we're—I know when I—I I don't get to go to summit as much as I like to. I think I've only been there th- three times, and when I'm in the parking lot, I'm nervous. And I have friends on the mountain, and I've got a friend usually in the car with me who's like, "All right, let's go." I couldn't imagine how it must have felt to just decide to go solo? What were now you're very adventurous? Did you feel very excited about it? Or were you just pushing yourself? Or did someone tell you to go? Or how did that?
1: I just pushed through it. um, And I was in my head, like I knew I was not gonna hit the the blues or anything. And um, I had been there before. So I kind of knew what to expect. Um, But I again, I was riding going green and terrified. I, I think I walked parts of going green the first time I had gone. Wow. Um, and I remember I was like pushed into going down party wave. And I remember I just like, oh God. I had to stop and I just started crying on the side of the trail. Cause I was so scared.
0: <laughs> oh my God. But
1: yeah, it was pretty funny. And then, you know, that off off season, I guess I didn't really know it was an off season at the time. Cause I was living in, in uh, San Diego and, I just started pedaling. I just started riding Ted Williams. And um, I remember, like, I just had learned how to use a front brake, like, because I never used it before. So I I learned at Ted's how to use front brake. Oh, my gosh. That's a place to uh, learn. (laughs) Yeah. So it was just like riding PQ and Ted's all the time and um, just kind of pedaling after work. Like, I remember like saying, Hey Google, like when's the sunset and just like racing to get somewhere before the sunset, um, just to get some pedaling in and then, um, had another race season in 2021. And I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Like I I knew in my heart downhill was my passion. And, um, I just. You know, got in with SpokeX and they were going to a lot of the local Enduro Trails uh races. So I started I think in 2021 I did 14 races, most of which were Enduro and I was getting like third Dang. and fourth place in Cat 2. Um Dang. in Enduro and it wasn't my thing, but then in um June, May June is when downhill started picking up and I um 2021. Yeah, I moved up to Cat 1 halfway through 2021, ended up doing really well in downhill and, and basically like winning, you know, getting first, second place overalls in downhill, just local stuff. Um, and then uh, in 2022 is when I really um, told myself that I was going to kind of expand into more national level events. Um, and and that's what I did. Um, this time starting this time last year wow dang brie
0: smashing the cat three two and one uh falling in love with dh and you did enduro you did a ton of races in enduro with spoke um i love those guys hunter and the tony best. yeah they're so fun
1: oh they're the best tony <laughs> Tony is the ultimate hype man. I mean, he, no matter what, just always has your back and he's just an incredible person. So I'm so thankful to have him around too.
0: Yes, I love his post. If you guys haven't had a chance, follow Tony. It's, to, it's his handle, is it Tony Rodriguez or? It's uh- life
1: be good. Uh, something i don't remember i'll have to look it up but
0: but every race before each race he goes live and he's like he's like love life and i just want to share with you all it's almost like a preacher and you just get sucked into it it's it's so good so tell me like okay you were doing enduro and you knew you didn't that wasn't quite your jam Mm -hmm. but what was it about the dh that really grabbed a hold of you how did you know that dh was your jam
1: hmm That's a great question. I think because I've always been like an adrenaline junkie. So I think I was just attracted to the, just the fact that it's more dangerous, but, but at the time too, like the enduro races here, aren't like, you know, the big BME enduro races, which are truly like downhill segments. Um, but I, I also feel like my fitness at the time was not Great, so doing five stages pedaling uphill just does not sound attractive to me, <laughs> right. so I just wanted to like not pedal and just go down as fast as I could. Um, so yeah, I um ended up making some pretty big changes um to really focus on um kind of getting myself out there and and I knew I was doing well locally and um. There just isn't a lot of ladies out there competition-wise in the Cat 1 um, class. So I thought that, you know, going to the national level was um, the next best step. But it was also a very wide, a big awakening for me because it's just so different than anything here. And uh, yeah, so...
0: Yeah. And on top of that, I remember because I'm on the Spokex team chat and I remember you had an injury for one of those nationals and you raced anyway. Can you share with folks about that? That was pretty. I thought that was pretty beast mode. That was the first time I looked at you and I was like, damn.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um Yeah. Yeah, so um, the last national race of the season, which was pretty recent in September, was the Fox US Open. And it typically had been here in Big Bear. But um, with COVID and the fires next year, unfortunately, we couldn't have it at Snow Summit. But went to Killington, Vermont and um, raced dual slalom and downhill. And uh, in my downhill qualifying run, I did go down because, you know, it was such a fun track. and, And it was, kind of like, it wasn't super steep, but it was really fast tech. Um, and there were like five, four or five tree sections, but they all looked the same when you were going into it. So it was really hard to remember oh, you man. know, where your entry was and your transition points were. Um, so uh, one of them, I just didn't set up early enough and I ended up slipping on a root and kind of just like fell kind of hard and fast and like punched the ground with my hand and I mean it really the doctors still really haven't figured out what's going on with it and i just kind of got sick of going to the specialist all the time but um it looked very much like a a boxers fracture and you can even see my hand my knuckles don't look right oh Um, yeah
0: the ring finger is kind of more like down yeah it's
1: like very dropped um but whatever no pain. And it's like, it's, no pain's good. Stuck. But, um, but yeah, I, I was like, you know what, like it, we had podium for dual slalom that night, right after qualifying, because, um, and it ended up getting too late to have it that same night. And I, um, miraculously won, uh, the dual slalom, uh, competition. So that was pretty sick, but, um, yeah, I, I got on the podium for that and everyone was like, Oh my gosh, your hand is broken. And I'm like, I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. And the medics at Killington, Vermont, shout out to you guys. I wish I, I wish I remembered your names. I remember they were G names, but, um, you know, I feel like most medics would be like, Oh, you gotta go to the hospital now, but they were so cool with like taping me up and I couldn't squeeze the handlebar at all. So, um, Good they God. put like, cotton underneath my fingers so if i did squeeze i wasn't squeezing the bar i was squeezing the cotton so i was holding on basically with my middle finger (laughs) and my brick my pointer finger on the brake um and then yeah yeah, i just decided to do run finals with it and i was like look it's the last race of the year i'm across the country i've got i'm gonna get hurt now's the time to do it so i made the decision to push through it and um it wasn't, it, I was bummed because, you know, I obviously wanted to get top three, but but I ended up taking fourth. So Damn. I was pretty proud of myself. <laughs>
0: That's pretty amazing that you raced. I remember the morning that you sent this picture to us all, your hand is completely taped up. You're like, I think it's broken, but I'm racing anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I remember texting you back like, you got this.
1: Good, yeah.
0: Good luck. I know you can do it. And then, man incredible incredible now wasn't like a piece of your bone sticking out
1: it looked like it um i've been to so many doctors and they all said it's not broken but they're all questioning it um they think that i guess there's like a sheath that holds like all the tendons in place they think that tore so it's not holding everything in place which is why my fingers dropped um they also said that my pinky had been broken at some point. So it was already disformed. So (laughs) then I I had randomly gone to this. um, I had some friends in town uh, from Detroit and we ended up going to this. It was just like a, like a nice little dinner party, I guess. And um, one of our friends is a, is a nurse at um, a really prestigious hospital in LA and there were all surgeons there. And, they immediately like looked at my hand. They're like, "Oh, you got a trigger finger. That's like a twenty-minute surgery, and you'll be good to go." So, oh sick.
0: wow, maybe they got it. Maybe they called it.
1: Maybe, but, yeah. But,
0: but no pain. You don't have to get cut, right? Or maybe no, you do.
1: <laughs> I'm just gonna deal with it. I mean, it looks weird, but again, I I'm in no pain, so. Yeah,
0: so I mean that explains a lot when we're looking at your Instagram and considering that you've been on the bike for. A little over two years now and you're racing cat one um that's just insane there your podium you're like no stranger to the podium and now i've seen you doing a bunch of like free riding you're at summit i know there's a question about summit in there this is actually this is going to be a real but right here is you throwing out a one-hander is that on is that at muscle beach
1: yeah yep Sick. that's Muscle Beach snow summit tombstone and um, that's that jump had like scared me for so long and i finally got comfortable on it this past year and started throwing chicks on it so it was pretty cool
0: nice look at it sending it dang so uh, yeah
1: that was the first time i did like sea tea bogs
0: wow now how because I've been writing for two years, and I'm afraid to take my hands off the handlebars. <laughs>
1: it's so mental. It's just mental. I can't. Oh man, I I love I love this because going back, like I, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not the person that's just like, just whatever. Let's just do it. Send it. Don't think about it. Like I, I'm not that person. I, I will be very honest, um, that I am inherently cautious and, um, mountain bikes was one of those things that has really pushed me through that moment of fear and everything that I do, whether it's my career or nice. it's, um, just a life thing, or if it's on the bike and I don't know who said it, but, um, the one thing that really resonates me with anything that I do is if you can't beat the fear, do it scared. Like yeah. I feel like a lot of people, especially when, you know, you know, I'm in my 30s now. And um, you know, I, I talk to a lot of ladies who are always asking like, how how are you so fearless in your 30? Aren't you scared of getting hurt? And um it's one of those things that you just have to kind of train your mind about and um you know, other ladies that are kind of going through something similar or or anybody that's going through something similar. It's just like, you know, fear is present and it's there, but you don't have to let it stop you from doing that thing. And if you know you have the skill and you know that you, um, you know, can do it. And at that point, it's like when you start getting mad at yourself because you know you can do it, but you're just not doing it. Right. That's the point where you just have to do it because and it's okay if you're scared, you just got to do it when you're scared because that's where you kind of like break through that plateau. And, and that feeling of overcoming something like that is just what is a huge motivator for me. And um, I love like supporting other people who are going through something similar. So when it came to starting to do tricks, um, I mean, I just started in, in I think it was June. I like wrote down the date, like the first time, I think it was like June 9th or something was the first time. And um i was riding with a group of friends who are extremely talented on a bike and i just started like opening up like holding the bar or hand on the bar but just opening up my palm Uh and then eventually like taking it off and i was like wait a minute this is so much easier than you'd think so then it just kept going out further and further and then um I started to do like seat grabs because I could get my right arm off really well. So I started doing seat grabs and I started doing T-bogs. I'm like, okay, today's the day I'm going to do a no-hander. And my friend was like, have you ever taken your left hand off the bars? And I was like, no, no, I haven't. (laughs) Um, So I had to practice that a few times because that's the scary one for me since your front brakes right there. And if you accidentally like, put your hand back, back and, grab and grab it, the front brake, the front yes. you're just, it's all over. You yeah. Dirt sample. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, eventually I just started taking both off and the more you do it, you just like kind of go a little bit further and you rec- you realize how much time you have in the air. And, um, that's kind of how it started. And, um, there's still a lot of cleaning up I have to do on my tricks, but it's cool to focus on it.
0: That's impressive. Are, are you thinking that um, is there going to be a version of Brie that will do more like free ride, do you think, in DH? Or is the free ride kind of just playing around in between seasons? And
1: So um, free ride is something that's very new to me. Um, because, again, like I am that cautious type, right? So like I love walking the trails and hiking and knowing what to expect and knowing what features are coming up and i'm always very cautious on new trails because i want to learn it first before i go like full pin um but um yeah free riding is really cool because you have to trust yourself a lot more and you have to make decisions on the fly because you never really know what you're gonna run into. Um, so it's been a really cool experience kind of breaking through some mental things that I have stuck through. And um, I- I'm not as fast free riding, just inherently. I'm just not knowing what's coming up, but i um, been traveling to um, Utah a bit and doing a lot of hiking. But on top of that too, I, I don't have a trail bike anymore. My trail bike was stolen in April. Last oh, year. no, that's right. So I only have my downhill bike right now. Um, and I ride a Santa Cruz V10. Um, and I love it. And it's funny because I. Um, I. Yeah, so this time last year, my first race of the season was Tennessee National. There she is. Pretty oh, poor babe. Yep.
0: <laughs> now, she was that's only the one five days old. When this was stolen, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh man, I can still see it in your face, Brie. You're like, damn.
1: <laughs> uh, that is a Santa Cruz Mega Tower Sauce Edition. They only made 100 in the globe. I Whoa. was very fortunate enough to get one. Um. So yes, I I had the frame for a bit as I was starting to get the pieces together, and I had some amazing folks that um you know kind of supported the build. Um, had brand new We are one union wheels on there and I had their cockpit, um, ODI grips, Fox, um, suspension, um, full XTR everything. And, mm-hmm. um, finally got it built. And, and that's an interesting story because at that point I had just bought my V10. Um, so it was the first time I actually had a real, real downhill bike, but I was on my way to sea otter. And if anybody knows, Seattle downhill is not real downhill, so you do not bring a downhill bike uh, to the Seattle Classic. And you Overbiked so
0: I, a little bit.
1: Yeah, even yeah. this was a lot for that. But um, yeah, so I rode it in practice on like Saturday, and then I rode it on the race on Sunday. And that night, it was stolen. So at the I hotel
0: had, or or it, at the course.
1: Uh. So it was stolen. So I was staying with some uh, longtime friends that were actually originally from New York and they live in like Pacific Grove, which is the fanciest place in Monterey. If you can imagine Monterey, California being any more fancier. Right. uh, But it was on like a really small road and you couldn't see it from the street. And, you know, it was like fenced around and the driveway was like downhill and off camber and I typically I drive a big SUV, so I typically stand on my cooler to like grab my bike up and down. And um I couldn't even reach it just because the driveway was so weird. So I was like, ah, like I'm not too worried about it. Um and you know, you guys, you know, like when it's yeah. safe where it feels very safe to keep right. your bike out.
0: Monterey, I mean Pacific yes. Grove off the beaten path, like super mm-hmm. safe. Yeah,
1: so I think I the conclusion that I came to myself in my brain is that someone had followed me knowing what it was and uh, just waited for a weak moment and they got it. Oh man. Yeah.
0: And I think one of the questions that you got leading up to the podcast was had they ever found that bike anywhere?
1: No. Well, no. So on mother's day, I, I got a phone call saying that it was spotted on a blue Prius in Monterey. Oh, so if you're out there, we got we'll
0: you. you, blue Prius. We but, got you. But <laughs> uh,
1: unfortunately, the police didn't find it. Um, and then, uh, very recently, maybe like a couple months ago, I got a r- random message from someone on Instagram, someone that doesn't even follow me. And they're like, hey, like there's this guy that is selling bikes and there's a pink Santa Cruz and I think it's yours. And Whoa. I'm like, well, did you get a picture? Did you get anything? And he's like, no. So that was at like the Oakland like flea market or something. So I called the police again and they didn't get back to me. So I Uh. am keeping a positive mindset and, you know, if it's meant to be back in my house, my possession, it'll, it'll come back. But um, it was a very hard lesson that I had learned. Uh, So I uh, have been primarily, primarily riding the V10 um, and since, you know, I live up in big bear now and oh, there she is beauty. <laughs> yeah. Since I live up here now and it's all snowy in the winter and the off season, I've just been hike a bike in everywhere and, um, training during the week, CrossFit and trying to get stronger.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. So you moved to big bear not only is it just a beautiful place but your soul one of the main sole reasons is is to be up there for the bikes for racing for what you do that's a huge commitment and um you get up there and then you start um now you're putting in strength training into your routine now is that is that right
1: yeah so um if we go back uh to 2020 it's 2023, so my mind is all like messed up. So 2021 is when I did those 14 races, moved up to Cat One um, at the end of 2021, um, and then 2022 is when I like planned out all my national level races. So Tennessee National, um, I did Seattle National Championships in Winter Park, Colorado, um, Fox U.S. Open. I did the local stuff here, did the Straight Acres Dual Solemn, things like that. Um, and it was so funny because, um, you know, last, last in 2022, like I didn't really do any training outside of just pedaling around on the bike, riding the bike park. And I had done pretty well. Um, so it actually almost a year ago, um, it'll be a year and a couple of weeks. I ended up giving up alcohol and, uh, I gave up alcohol because I, you know, was really burned out on that 2021 season. And, you know, we were just, you know, going out all the time. We lived in Encinitas. So it's a very like, oh, yeah, place I and love,
0: love North County, San Diego. <laughs> yes.
1: So I was had a lot of distractions and we were going out, you know, and and the drinking was, you know, something that has always been a part of my life since, you know, we were hiding it from our parents, you know? And, um, you know, I never thought, you know, it was a problem or anything. And I, just like that, it was four months and I hadn't been riding my bike between the end of the season and um, 2021 to, you know, January, 2022. Oh, just and, caught
0: up in um, the party scene at that time.
1: Wasn't focused and burned out on bikes. And I like had, I I, honestly I kind of had a big ego after that and I was like oh like I could do anything like um you know and I um you know moved up to Big Bear to really focus on bikes and train at elevation but even the first month here in January last year like you know I was meeting people and you know drinking a lot here and just having one with dinner and then the old fashions before bed and rinse and repeat like nearly every day. Um and I went to um Tennessee to ride Wind Rock Bike Park because that's where the Tennessee National is um in March. And I went there in February just to kind of get back into it. And I still had my 150 mil Bronson and I that was the rude awakening moment for me. I um, was very over overwhelmed it felt like i was in over my head i um you know had never ridden anything that was so off camber that was so steep that was so rudy mm. and like the complete opposite of what we have in southern california and i remember we we rode five days there and 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 then on the last night i was there we were in nashville and of course in nashville you definitely do not stay sober. So yeah. we were just drinking a bunch. And um I had never felt worse in my life. And I had to pack up my my little bronson in the bike bag um at like 5 a.m. just to try to make my flight. And oh my gosh. I was so hungover. And you know, once you hit 30, like hangovers hit you a little bit different.
0: Yeah, it lasts a little longer. Uh, <laughs> it a little
1: longer. Um But I was getting so mad at myself, and like I came to a moment where I was like, I thought I could pick up where I left off on the bike. I felt like I had to relearn how to ride a bike. I was so down on myself. I was so scared, but I made these commitments in my mind already, and that was the last time that I had a sip of alcohol. Wow. since then you know it was only supposed to be two weeks i was like you know what i'm just gonna stay no drinking for two weeks until the tennessee national um and again that that even though i was you know you, you always think that you can take oh, all i need is two weeks to like yeah no drinking, then i'll be like in my prime but no yeah. like i i didn't perform very well um in tennessee national and it was just terrifying and um in that race that if you guys follow that series um we only could get our qualifying runs in because there was a really big random freak snowstorm that came in so we didn't even do finals and for me that that was a blessing in disguise because i don't even know how i could have done another run on that track like anywhere near the race pace because it was so terrifying to me at that time but that was just the motivator like I realized like how grossly I had been messing up in my life and um, just wanted to kind of start like making the right decisions because bikes was the first and only thing that I loved more than, you know, drinking. And um, it's been the absolute most incredible best year of my entire life, cutting out alcohol. I mean, on the bike, off the bike, and everything that I'm doing, the clarity is is mind blowing, and I'm really truly feeling like I learned who I am for the first time in my life uh, this past year. So it's been pretty pretty incredible.
0: That's incredible, Bree, and kudos to you for acknowledging that before it became something that you were forced into stopping to drink. You know, it's it you saw it. You there was something in you that made you say I'm gonna take two weeks off. What was it? Was it was it that packing up in the middle of the night, trying to make that flight, and going, what am I doing? Was that the kind of lucid point, or was it something? There else? were
1: there were a couple more days like before that where you know I'd go out on a Friday and then I'd be in bed all weekend because like the two day hangovers and just like totally I didn't like it. It was just. I'm not one to kind of like dwell and complain. Like if there's something in my life that isn't working for me, I have to change it. And I noticed, you know, leading up to that moment, it was like, how can I call myself an athlete when I'm doing this to my body? I'm waking up mad at myself. I don't like the way that I look. I don't like the way I'm performing. And it was just a moment where I'm like, I'm like sick of complaining and I need to make a change and I need to own this. And, um, everything in life is a choice and I chose myself and I chose bikes and everything in my life has been better. The relationships I have with with people and um, the folks at work and myself is just mind blowing. It's mind blowing. And there's nothing that I know of that I would ever trade for another drink because it's just the progress has been incredible.
0: That's amazing. I love that. I'm so glad you could share that on the show. That is huge and inspiring to so many people. Um, And also now that you don't have the alcohol, we see this going on with you now. Um, This is you getting down. So this is kind of a secret weapon going into the next season, huh?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, now that, I have this like newfound motivation and dedication to myself and I'm more disciplined with myself now. Um, I've been really trained, focused on my training and, um, since it is snowy up here, um, and I can't ride as much as I've been wanting to, um, I've been focusing on, um, like my strength and my baseline fitness and obviously up here we're at, you know, 6,800 feet elevation where I live. So it's been great training at elevation and, and getting stronger, um, and I had never worked out in my previous race season. So um, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing um, how that plays out for this year. And um, right now I'm starting to getting like the jitters, you know, because yeah. racing starts for me um, in March is the Tennessee National of course. Ooh, coming around the, first, the corner. <laughs> first race of the year is the hardest and the scariest race. Um, so, uh, Yeah. I, I'm kind of battling recently, like, okay, like, am I prepared enough? Am I overtraining in the strength department and not riding enough? And at the same time, you don't want to train for downhill too early because it is such a high-risk sport that, like, you don't want to get hurt before, you know, the race season starts. So, it's, like, trying to find that balance um, of getting your training in without compromising your, your health and, Um, so I'm at that weird moment now where I'm like, oh my goodness, it's two months away. And I'm like, oh, am I, am I trained up enough? And yeah, how am I doing? Like, where do I stand? And it's just all of those, all those things going into the first race of the season. So that's kind of what I'm feeling right now.
0: Yeah. Coming into it. And I think you're probably not alone. You know, I'm, I'm not in that race world, but I can only assume that your competitors are also in the same boat wondering is it too early to train dh now i don't want to get injured but are they putting in the time have they moved to a new area of high altitude like you have they cut out distractions um how dedicated are they how bad do they want it obviously you're showing all the signs that uh you want it so i don't know if it's going to be cat one that you're going to destroy or if you're going to tick up to the pros are you uh are you allowed to share anything that you might be doing in that arena
1: i will say that i will know more in a couple months i again it is so hard to say because um the ladies the competition especially at the national level i mean they're so good and i'm trying to strike the balance of like seeing if my times are like mid-pack pro women and that's probably the point where i'll make the decision um but I'll probably know more in, in a few months. But my goal that I have been telling you know my partners that I work with um, and, and those who support me, uh, my goal is to elevate to the pro category by the end of the year.
0: Oh, man. Knocking That's on, the door. <laughs> Knocking on <laughs> the door. That's what I'm fighting for. Knocking on the door. That's what I'm
1: fighting for. That yeah. is
0: awesome. I can't wait to follow it and see. And Bree, as far as your, your pack, the people that you you ride with train with that are helping you get ready for the race season I know uh, I know Sammy rock dirt Mm -hmm. and bones like you've been riding with him quite a bit and uh, what an epic person to ride with! what a great trail builder so shout out to him but is there are there other folks that are helping you along as well I mean that alone is pretty yes
1: he's pretty great uh, and he's the one who's actually opened up the doors to all the free riding and um, really pushes me in different ways. Like, like, it's so humbling because the stuff that he's building is incredible. And um, yes. he, we, he actually built me, oh God, yeah, I cannot hang. But he did build me a little trick jump um, last weekend. So we were hitting that and it was so fun to like get back into it, but man, like it's, it's cool because it's teaching me like how to hit, you know, bigger, jumps and the lips that he's building for the jumps that um I can do are pretty tall like I think the one that we just did was about nine feet tall so um just like getting used to that feeling um will help me later on and I think that um you know I'm planning on doing crank works this year I'm still kind of waiting to see when um the national championships are going to be scheduled yeah. Looking at you, USA Cycling. Like, yes.
0: Go. Yeah. Um, it. <laughs> but
1: once I know those dates, like, I'll, I'll know if I'm going to do um, crank crankworks, filming, plan to suit, downhill, air DH, in uh, dual slalom. And then um, I've really enjoyed um, learning tricks and just like a whole different side of mountain biking. Um, so uh, there's there's one particular trick that I have in mind. And if I can nail it this year, which is my goal. I'm not going to say too much beyond that. Um, but if, if I can nail this particular trick, then I would love to do um, Cray Cork Speed and Style in 2024.
0: Damn, that is awesome. I could only imagine. I could only imagine what that trick might be. Uh, Bree, let's head over to the chat real quick. You had some sure. questions. A lot of people in the audience that are wanting to engage with Miss Bree. Uh, we have Australia in the house, New Zealand in the house, Miami in the house. Um, somebody wanted to find out if you can clear Large Marge. Trail Pimp is asking, can you clear Large Marge at Summit?
1: Large Marge. Which one's Large Marge? I is that the one? Uh, the um, I, th- I know Hot Donna. I don't know Large Marge. Is yeah, that the so, Moon Booter maybe?
0: Yes, yes. The same geo as the Moon Booter at Whistler. That they brought in that big new big tabletop.
1: Yes, I ended up clearing that like the last day of the season, and it was terrifying. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that right. was that was the first time that I have seen a whip that big, and I remember the first time I went up to it, I was like, "Whoa!" Like I <laughs> went up, and then I immediately went backwards down because <laughs> I was like, "Hell no!"
0: Oh, that's um, so funny. I didn't funny.
1: know it was called that. I yeah, just called look- it the
0: Large Marge, I know somebody had told me that it was the same geo as the Moonbooter at Whistler on a line, and okay. so I, I I've heard both Moonbooter and in, in Large Marge, but yeah, I mean that just goes to show how how big that one is. It's it's big. Uh, Lauren out of Miami is saying, "You ever get Katie Holmes doppelganger?"
1: I do. Yes, I very I do. um actually, back in my you know party days, I was very hungover having breakfast with a friend of mine, and I had like big sunglasses on. and he looked like, um, oh boy, what is his name? Tom Cruise. and but a tall version. um, but he had a ball cap on and like glasses, and we we're both just like dying trying to eat breakfast. And um there was a woman. <laughs> Across the way, whose jaw was on the floor because she thought it was Tom Pierce and Katie Holmes. So, yeah, <laughs> I get that often. <laughs> that's
0: awesome, man. That's that's got to be fun. When people do that, you, you're probably like, I wonder what they're thinking. Are they thinking that right now? <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, um, Nick MTB MTB Nick is saying, What happens if you fall? Going back to the whole canyoneering,
1: oh, canyoneering, uh, you don't. Yeah. Uh, it's, it de- well, it depends. So, um, typically if you're in a canyon, that's got a lot of potholes where it's like big pots of water. Um, and you're in a waterfall, typically you'll rig your rope. So it's a certain feet short, just so you don't get tangled up in the waterfall as you're trying to get, um, released from the rope. So sometimes you just like fall into the water. Um, but, um, you know, one of my best friends, uh, he actually had a canyoneering accident and, um, ended up getting a, a leg amputated. So you oh. don't fall.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Jeez you don't, out. you don't
1: fall. Um, it's, if you follow the con the, the consequences are very high.
0: Yeah. No coming back. So you gotta really pick your moves very wisely. Don't let go
1: of your break hand. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. MTV, we know, we know the answer to this, but this is for Santa Cruz out there. Bree, do you have a DH bike?
1: I do. Uh, I currently ride a Santa Cruz V10.
0: You hear I that, Santa it? Cruz? You hear that, Santa Cruz? <laughs> um, I do. Going back to when you were at Summit by yourself, MTV Nick saying, yes, he he can relate. He actually went to the first time at Summit. He was also by himself. Ride with Kiefer is saying, sounds like my daughter. You're inspiring other girls and dads to see their women killing it. Um, MTB Nick saying, party wave to Westridge. Mm-hmm. Is that That's... your favorite combo or what do you like to ride there?
1: I love that. I, I do. Um, but I will say that, um, oh, my gosh, what do I call it? Average Joe's. The small jump line. That's that one has my heart. Oh, That's when blue I steel. To, blue steel. Yeah. That's when I learned how to throw tricks. So that one, blue steel, has my heart. But I uh um, so fun.
0: Blue steel is so fun.
1: <laughs> laughing, party wave, and restridge I mean, you can't go wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm out there trying to get my guts up to go from Blue Steel to (laughs) Party Wave to You got it.
1: I believe in you.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Trail Pimp out of Lake Tahoe area saying, do you ride Snow Valley bike park?
1: Love, love Snow Valley. (laughs) You know, those guys work really hard over there. The dirt is not great for building, but... I, I really do enjoy riding Snow Valley because it is a little bit more unpredictable, uh, but they also open up sooner than Summit and stay open later than Summit. So um, I, I really have a strong appreciation for Snow, Snow Valley Bike Park.
0: I love Snow Valley too. And I don't know if it's a secret, but you can hit the lift empty almost every time (laughs) just go down and back up down and back up laps. laps upon laps upon laps that is so fun yes snow valley shout out to spencer and the squad out there for making some epic epic trails um which leads me to a small section here i wanted to touch upon real quick you had said that how mountain biking helps you face fears and sometimes you don't overcome those fears and you do things scared and that's cool because you're you're careful it gives you the fuel to do it but it gives you the awareness to stay safe one of those fears you just overcame through the skill of overcoming fear was a recent trip to Colombia yes
1: yes i just came back from Colombia 2 weeks ago week and a half ago um, and I had never been out of the US before, except for Canada, which I'm up from upstate New York, so it doesn't count. And Tijuana, <laughs> which I'm like lived in San Diego, so that also doesn't house. count. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that was my first time like uh, like flying to another country, and um, it was a incredible experience. Um, so, um, by day I am. Senior manager of program delivery. So I work at a digital ad agency, and um, so basically I am just the liaison, the person that gets everybody together, and we uh, manage a team of analysts and strategists and engineers and visual designers and UX designers to come up with some really great work. And right now I've been focusing on um, some Google products for the last couple of years. Um, wow. But most of our team is in Colombia. So I was able to go see them um, in real life for the first time. And it was such an incredible experience. And one of the folks there is, a, is an avid mountain biker as well. So we were able to go out to some of the local trails in Bogota. And um, we went to a place called National Park. And it's actually really incredible because I never realized like how challenging it was for them to get bikes out there. And it's almost more expensive than it is for us because um, most of the bikes are coming from the U S. So, I mean, they hooked me up. I mean, we were on, you know, older bikes and older components and it was just kind of super humbling. And these guys are ripping through like roots and rocks and, um, we had to do a river crossing and a tree dang. crossing and oh it, dang. it, cause the rains had been, I guess we, we got perfect weather that week, but, um, the rains had kind of like flooded the river and one of the trees ended up uprooting. So, um, yeah, it was just really incredible being able to explore, uh, the city there and it, it's such a beautiful place and it, and it kind of blew my mind that it was kind of unsafe where we were. And it was always like, you got to always travel in groups. But um, after that, we went to um, Medellin and Medellin's a beautiful city as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing when the Monserrate downhill races in Bogota, um, because I would absolutely love to go back and participate in that.
0: Wow. That's cool. What would you say the terrain is like there? Is it completely different than anything you've ridden in the U.S. or is it similar to something?
1: It reminded me of the East Coast riding um, because it is so green and so lush there. Um, So it was just a lot of roots um some off-camber moments uh, in rocky it wasn't very steep where we were I, we didn't I, I don't think we actually went to anything that was really I know there's some like pretty amazing trails in Columbia but um this was just something that was close to our office and where we were staying um but it, it kind of reminded me of East Coast riding
0: okay cool Rudy yeah. Rocky kind of Gnar super lush and green
1: it was it was so green I mean oh, wow beautiful
0: that's awesome. I've always always wondered because I heard Spencer talking about Columbia and I'm like, oh, I wonder what that's like. Um, another question here from Octodad out of New Zealand. He's asking, ask oh, and he's asking New this in the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in New Zealand he says, Asprey, what her favorite World Cup track is.
1: Uh wow. So I have never ridden or raced in a World Cup track yet. Um, so I will I don't know which one my favorite one is, but I will represent Snowshoe in West Virginia. So
0: there you go. Snowshoe West Virginia by Bree.
1: Rip-
0: <laughs> MTB Radio <laughs> saying, You female MTB racer slash ripper, we are in YouTube heaven. Thank you, people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Craig. That is so funny. Craig also saying, Just FaceTime my pops for a birthday screwball shot with him. And now I'm here with y'all. Uh, happy birthday, Craig. Happy Dad. birthday. That is awesome. Uh, Let's see. We also have, there's another question here. I want to say, oh, I got to put this up here for you. Uh, Miami Mountain Bike Q&A. Johnny Yu is saying she is amazing. And then Craig says, thank you, Johnny. (laughs) Okay, trick trick question here. Mountain Bike Q&A out of Miami is saying, is Brie working on a backflip? question mark hmm good question hmm this could be the uh cranksworks edition
1: <laughs> great question
0: yeah are another we,
1: great question are staying on that one <laughs> okay we'll
0: we'll get off of that question but uh that tells us all we need to know <laughs> but there's a lot of great tricks out there and maybe we'll see Brie at Crank works on a TV close to you Burrell Bikes out of Idaho is saying hey Is she looking for a bike sponsor? Um, And Burrell Bikes, this is Christian, the owner of the bike company. So are you looking for a bike sponsor at the moment?
1: Uh, I currently do not have a frame sponsor. So uh, that is, there are some conversations happening, although not confident that it's going to happen in the near future. So currently I am not partnered with any frame sponsor.
0: Gotcha. Trail Pimp out of Tahoe is saying, hey, time for a Capra core four? I don't know. No, no, no. Yeah, although I think Brie likes the Santa Cruz's, from what I've seen. And uh, Trail Pimp's also seen that as a sick V10.
1: <laughs> She's a beast. Uh, currently 27.5. I'm considering going up to um, getting some... Um, different lowers to put a 29 on the front. Um, so I think I'll probably be a little bit faster if I had a bigger wheel on the front. So that's probably what I'll do changes wise for 2023
0: mullet, ride the mullet. Oh, Mm -hmm. she's going MX. We and Burrell hitting the chat again. He says, Hey, Mark, the size what size trail bike does she need and what kind of specs does she like so hey you may have a trail i will connect you guys on the back end of the show and you guys can talk um but we may have some support here if you're interested this will be very cool so that's coming out of uh, boise idaho um i think that is the main questions here but i also know that you had a few questions on your on your instagram
1: oh yeah um let me just double check. I think we covered most of them. um, um, yeah, I think it was mostly around the fear and, um, what I do for work, which again, I am very grateful that I have the opportunity to work remote so I can still do my job, but also travel for bikes, which has been great. But, um, from the time that we started to the to current time, uh, my post is no longer available to see the responses. So I hope I covered everybody's questions. <laughs> and if I didn't, feel free to come find me. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, that those were,
0: those were great. I mean, the whole thing that you're doing, everything that you're doing is very inspiring, Brie. And I love being able to catch you in between race seasons to get a chance to kind of highlight your story. And I love everything that you're doing how dedicated you are to the sport and having you as a female mountain biker, female racer, who is just smashing it out there. So thanks for being on the show for people who want to hear more about what you're doing to follow your story, to follow you in the season, where can they follow you out there? Brie?
1: So this year um, I'm going to be doing the USDH series. So that's going to be Tennessee national mountain Creek and the Fox U S open. I'll also be doing national championships, um, in July, Crankworks in July. Um, and then gotta, gotta represent home, um, doing the summit downhill series and the straight acres dole. So that's my, that's my plan for right now. Um, I think it's about eight or nine total races this season. So it's a perfect balance of, um, for, for me not getting too, too burned out at the end of the year. So.
0: That's that's really good, and still holding down a full time job at the whole, yes. the whole time all the while. A very
1: full time job. <laughs> now,
0: and where can people follow you on social media? Where will they follow your story?
1: Um, so I am just primarily just on Instagram. So you can just look up my name. It's Brie Aseltine, um, B R I E A S E L T I N E, and um, I don't. I'm trying to kind of get into TikTok, but I I'm not very there yet. I always just forget about it. So, uh, Instagram is the primary way to find me.
0: And for just for closing for women that are coming up into the sport, I know you're paving the way for a lot of folks. I remember talking to you and saying that you kind of wanted to change the way things were kind of handed down to other women. What would you say to other women that are looking at getting into racing? What, what is some, kind of wisdom that you can pass down to make them feel like, okay, I could do
1: this. That's a great question. Um Other than eat my say, dust. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I would oh, say geez. I would say just that. Like just do it. Um figure out where you are. If it's something you're passionate about, take the leap. Um, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be nervous. Um, I have I have some friends who are, you know, like I've ridden park with or whatever, and and they wanted to start racing and kind of had to force them up a class because they're such good riders, but they just didn't have like that mental confidence yet. And it was really cool to see, see them grow. So um, I think for me, you know, what I struggled with, um, with, with the folks that I had looked up to was that, you know, races are really stressful and luckily I'm able to, you know, turn that on and turn it off. Um, so typically I'm always just like kind of pumping up the other ladies and like trying to like find ways to distract from the nerves. Um, because at the end of the day, I mean, you, you can't get any more prepared than you are in that moment in time. There's literally nothing you can do that's going to make or break your race run from, you know, a fitness or skill or experience or, um, preparedness point of view. Right. So, so you're up there, like, all you gotta, I mean, for me, I just, you know, trust myself, focus on, you know, what I have in front of me, hype up the ladies. And then as soon as, you know, I'm probably like, you know, five ladies back, I'll, I'll start getting back in the zone. And if there's anything that I need that day, um, that I need to remind myself, I always write notes on my handlebars or behind my race plate. And just say like hey like eyes up or if i'm not feeling like i'm tracking right or if you know there's something off i just write myself a note and that's the thing that i focus on before i drop in and um i would just say find that thing that you really want to focus on and, and let that be what's in your mind and not like the nerves of the fear or fear yeah
0: stay focused on like the most important piece yeah let all that other kind of noise happen but dwindle it, feel it, but try to let it go. That's not the reason why you're there is to just be scared. You're there to yeah. eyes up, be in the moment. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. I dig it. Uh, Brie, oh. anything else in closing that you like to share with anybody or do you think you felt like you had a chance to share it?
1: Yeah, no, thanks so much, Mark. And um, yeah. this is such a awesome experience. I, I don't usually tell anything personal on social media. So this is the first time that I've actually shared my story. Um So uh, I appreciate the forum and the opportunity. It's been great.
0: Uh, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm a fan of Bree Azeltine. I think all of you are too. I see a lot of people saying follows, follows, follows. People are following you now. Uh, thank you all so much for jumping on the segment podcast with Brie and I. Uh, good luck to you, Brie, this season. And uh, I don't know, we'll see you all on the trail very soon. And keep an eye on her, Bree Azeltine, at Instagram. See you all later. Thank you. Is the episode with Brie Azeltine, Folks, episode 97 is in the books. Man, I am a big fan of Brie. And how crazy is it that she looks like Katie Holmes, but she's also a badass on the mountain bike and in CrossFit. I love everything that this woman is doing, and I love the point about just cutting out the alcohol and taking her passion seriously the passion of riding bikes setting goals being a performer doing everything she can to give herself the best shot to be successful i love everything she's doing i hope you guys too if you do want to follow brie check in the show notes i did leave a link for her instagram there and you can follow her as she begins the season in a couple months and you can see how she does during the entire process i'm rooting for you brie and uh, look forward to hopefully getting on the bike with you soon Folks, I'll leave you with this. As always, dream big. Those dreams come to you for a reason. We all don't dream the same dreams, but your dreams come to you. So why not take a piece of those dreams, little small pieces, put them on paper, make them a goal, achieve those goals and make yourself help live the life that your dreams are made of. So without further ado, I'll see you guys out on the trails and uh, see you on the next episode. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.